0: From many fronts. It's Halloween season, which what may be obvious reasons, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the ghouls and witchcraft and darkness that's coming to the surface. But there's something in people that wants to be terrified by something. We're obviously the world events and what's going on in Israel and the threat of greater war. There is a lot of fear in the world today. But today I want to talk about a different kind of fear that's actually the only kind of fear that is a good fear. Even in like the Halloween sort of urge and like horror film, and like, it's tapping into something that is, that is actually a healthy fear, but it's totally misdirected. I'm talking today about the fear of God. And I mentioned this to Macy before the service. She was like, hey, what are we talking about? I said, the fear of God. She said, oh, man, that sounds, what would you say? Mean. That sounds mean. (laughs) I was like, you know, that does sound mean, actually. Um, It's not mean. I hope by the end of today, we are going to have a greater love and appreciation of the fear of God than we've ever had before. And we're going to see it not as a mean thing, but... A very, very, very good thing. But it is different for us. And it's, it's really interesting because all throughout Scripture we're, we're commanded over and over and over again, dozens and dozens of times, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. There's only one exception to this. And it's interesting in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we'll read this it says, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Imagine if you were the ones hearing this message. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Wow. He says, don't be afraid. But God is testing you so that this one fear will be with you, the fear of God. And that's going to keep you from sinning. And actually, that's a very good thing. So don't be afraid of all this other stuff you're afraid of, but you're going to be tested if you have the fear of God. The fear of God is, you know, not to fear God as an arbitrary, arbitrary tyrant. We have enough of those in the world. There's enough of that going on. But to, to revere him and honor him as, as the Holy One, as the one who's above all, those, as we read in Isaiah 6, as we started off this morning, holy, 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 the one who's beyond all of us and bigger than all of us and something about him instills awe and reverence. Proverbs 9:10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a forgotten fundamental. One of the many that we're talking one of the several we're talking about this month. Fundamentals that should be front and center in every Christian's life, but it is so often forgotten. But there is no wisdom apart from a foundation built upon the fear, the awe, the reverence of God. And it's connected to a knowledge of God himself, a knowledge of the Holy One. There's, I um, heard a message about a month or so ago from John Bevere who's a Christian teacher who's been probably the foremost person for the last 30 years. He's been traveling the world bringing a message about the fear of the Lord. He wrote a book about 30 years ago on this topic, and God has used him just to bring this message all over the world and to to really help frame people's lives and build people's lives. And I'd read his book years ago, but I heard him speak on this. And so a lot of what I'm taking today is going to be taken from from what I heard him say and what he's written. Um, so I want to give him credit for that. Um, probably the guy who God's used the most in the world. Probably a good idea to, to take what the message he's brought. Um, but he said this. He said, the number one reason our culture looks the way it does is because forgetting the fear of the Lord. The number one reason we've lost 20 million Christians in America in the last 20 years is a loss of the fear of God. I would say the number one reason probably that, that, there, that we've forgotten what it means to be a Christian is a loss of the fear of God. I, um, this is a topic that, you know, it's, it can be, depending on, it's, it's harder for some of us than for others to latch on to this. But the more you had a dad who embodied this well, the easier it's going to be. And the less you have that, the harder it's going to be. And I was very, very blessed. My dad embodied this really well. My dad, is a very, he was very relational with us growing up. He loved to spend time with us. He was affectionate, played with us all the time. Um, you know, he would come through the door after work, and we would be there like running through the door and jumping on him and grabbing on him. Like, he was, there was nobody we loved more. But no one would ever use the word lenient to describe my dad. I, I cannot think of a time, there probably were some, but I can't think of a time where we were like begging him for leniency, where he budged one millimeter, actually. Like that just wasn't like how he operated. And that was a good thing. And I, I had a, a framing memory for me when I was probably three or four years old, sitting in our in our simple kitchen and we were having supper and something got something that was wrong got my dad irked. He was irked about something that just wasn't right. I don't remember, I don't know if I even understood at the time what it was but I, could, I knew that that was what was going on. And I remember seeing my dad who was, you know, he was a college linebacker at a D1 school. He was a tough guy. I remember him lift his brawny, black, hairy arm, and just like, boom, hit the table with some force out of frustration. I remember going, oh, man. <laughs> there, was a, there was a strength and a masculinity and a, a, a realization that, man, there are some things that you don't want to, I got the fear of dad in that moment in a healthy way. Like, and it was like, Wow. There is something there. There's a side there that is not to be messed around with. And it was a good thing. It's it's interesting. The Bible talks about um, three human instruments of of judgment that are designed to help instill the fear of God in in people's lives. The first one is what the Bible calls the rod. And Proverbs is all like verse after verse about the rod. It says, you know, we, we've heard, you know, the phrase maybe, hey, spare the rod and, and spoil the child. That's not in the Bible. The rod is, in our family, we call it the spanker, okay? But the Bible calls it a rod. Um, the Bible doesn't say spare the rod, spoil the child. but It says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. But if you discipline them, they will live. And so there's this. It also says, there, oh, these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible, actually. They're good. But it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Well, there's something like that we need, the the instrument that instills a healthy fear to drive foolishness and presumption and arrogance out of our lives. And the reality is we live in a culture where either it's abuse or it's overly gentle parenting. And there's not a healthy fear of the Lord coming. So the instrument of the rod and the family and the state God gave in Genesis 9-6 is the, the sword, that if you shed blood by, by, um, by man, if man sheds blood then, then, then civil government was instituted. By man your blood shall be shed. So the Bible says in, in, Hebrew, in Romans also that God has given the civil government is uh, a minister of God, bearing the sword not in vain, but to punish the evildoer. And so it's like, wow, if you don't get the if you don't get the rod, you may need the sword from government. The church also is given the means of excommunication, to church discipline, to, to, to ensure that the members are actually honoring God and living the life that we're, we're called to. And if we need to, when, we need, when we need to repent, that people are repentant. And ultimately, all these are designed to save us from the ultimate consequences, the ultimate punishment, which is, which is hell. You know, that first, the rods. if you save your soul from, from death, or literally it's save your soul from Sheol, or some translation, save their soul from hell. Like, we need, like, there, is, there are real consequences with the Holy God that we have to, to deal with. And this has been, like, tossed to the wayside, not only by our culture, but also by so much of the church today. Is this accurate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I know it's accurate. Um, What is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? Here's a definition. Again, it can be hard for us to wrap our our minds around this. The fear of the Lord is the awe, reverence, and veneration that comes from a revelation of the holiness and omnipotence of God. We have a revelation of God's holiness and his incredible power, his omnipotence. It produces an awe, a reverence, and a veneration. It produces a terror of his displeasure and a longing for his approval. And that's so important. It's not only the the terror of his displeasure, but it's it's also it produces in us this, this deep longing to be known and approved, accepted by him. Produces a terror of his displeasure and a longing for his approval. It leads us to shun everything that offends him and to aim for perfect obedience. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Proverbs 8 13 and 14 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom, I have might, I have strength. I mean, look at that. So the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, is hating evil. And then what does that produce? It it produces a hatred of, of, of evil, pride and arrogance. And then in us, it gives us counsel. It gives us wisdom. It gives us insight. It gives us strength. It gives us power. It's a sobering question. Is, man, why don't I have more power in my life? Well, maybe it's because I don't have more of the fear of God in my life. Having the fear of God produces insight. It produces wisdom. It produces power. You know, if if we were walking in the fear of God, we would have more, if we were walking in more fear of God, we would have more authority than we are now. Uh, John Bevere gave two aspects of the fear of the Lord. What is it? I think is so insightful. First aspect is to tremble, at his presence to tremble at his presence now we looked at Isaiah 6 and when the presence of God the reaction Isaiah had was the same reaction over and over we see in scripture when someone encountered God from would it be Moses or Peter or even John who was the disciple who Jesus loved who leaned on his breast but when he saw the risen lord he fell on his face as though dead The presence of God is not something to be taken lightly or presumptuously, but it's to tremble at his presence. If right now, Taylor Swift walked through those doors and walked in here, a lot of you would be trembling. Taylor Swift? Yeah. If Taylor Swift came in the room, man, there would be a lot of trembling going on. There she would have the full attention of everyone here. Coach Tang came in here. Man, there'd be some trouble, there'd be full attention. And tragically, the God of the universe has come near and made himself available. But we can be so just flippant about that. We can be so easily distracted. We can be so not in awe of him. So lacking the fear of the Lord. So just like, yeah, I mean, I know for me, I get up and I'm like, okay, I'm reading the Bible, and, but I'm so like easily distracted by my phone and like, oh, there were 21 more emails overnight. Okay, can I please get rid of that? And just like all this stuff, but the fear of the Lord is to, to tremble at his presence. Jeremiah 5.22 says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Oh, verse 22, actually. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble before me? That's a question for us, is how do we, how do we approach God? How do we pray? How do we read the Bible? How do we come to church? Is there a, an expectancy, an awe, a trembling before him? That's the fear of the Lord. I had one of the, another shaping experience in my childhood. I was about 12 years old. And I went to a, a church camp. And it was, it was, my church was in Topeka, Kansas. I was living there at the time. There was this camp outside Perry. And there were about three churches from Topeka that their, their youth went to this camp. And the whole week long, it was, it was fun, but it was also like a lot of, a lot of kids that weren't really loving Jesus also. <laughs> there was plenty of, you know, camp romance and, and just and some pretty rebellious stuff actually going on at that camp. And the last night, we had a, a session. It's a week-long camp, and there was a message about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the presence of God came into that room of 12, 13-year-old kids in a tangible way. I mean, it was like so thick you could like almost feel the presence of God. Like you could cut it with a knife, kind of. Like you could just, this heavy, like a blanket in the air. You could just feel. And kids were... On their faces, on their knees, weeping, crying, repenting, turning to God. God's kids were prophesying, having words from God. I remember, for me personally, it was just such a sense of, wow, God is real. Well, I, I believe God was real, but God is really real. And if God is real... This is the ultimate. Like, right? there's nothing else to live for. This is this is what life is all about. This is what everything is all about. It's about Him, and my life was was shaped in that encounter. Uh, the the fear of the Lord it it, it comes upon us. It if it, if we when we when we have that it it gets our attention and it it realigns things, it reorients things. I remember feeling just. So clean. And that was, I would think that would be the description of so many of the kids in the room that as they repented and turned to God and really reverenced God, feared God, there was just this cleanness that we felt in our hearts. Proverbs 19 says that the fear of the Lord is clean. There's something about that awe of God that comes and it just washes away all the crud. And it's, it's, it's scary, but it's so good. It purifies us. So the fear of the Lord is to tremble at his presence. The fear of the Lord is also to tremble at his word. To tremble at his word. Isaiah 66, two says, but, to this, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This is the one to whom I will look, who, the one who is humble contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. That word, look, means to look intently. Just imagine that. So it's saying, God is saying, I'm going to look intently at that person, the one who has my attention, the one who has the fear of God, the one who's humble, who trembles at my word. I'm going to look intently at him. It, It literally means to look intently by implication to regard with pleasure, This is is God looking at the one who fears him. God looks at that person with pleasure, with favor, and care. He considers, he looks down, he regards, he has respect. The one who trembles at his word, God looks upon intently. How badly do you and I want God to look at us like that? God to look at us pleasure to get his attention with his respect his, It's like yeah that's what the fear of the Lord produces in us John Bevere he, 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 he breaks this down more he, and to, to tremble at his word this is what it looks like to tremble at his word ten things most of them are from him the trembled his word is to obey immediately. So when God speaks, we act. The triple his word is to obey even, this is the one that got me the most, even when it doesn't make sense. Do we obey God? God, so many people just read their stories in the Bible. God tells them stuff, it's like, What? That is insane. Would God have the, the, would he dare to do that to dear little me or you? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, he's God. That's, that's how he operates. He, to, he, would he ask us to obey him even when it doesn't make sense? To triple his word is to obey even if it hurts, even if it's scary. To obey even if we don't see a benefit. Oh, so it's not just about like, oh, what's in it for me? But God, you're you telling me this. Will I do it? To tremble at his word is to obey all the way to completion. Uh, what has God told us that maybe we started, but we haven't seen a completion yet? To tremble at his word is to not pervert his word to fit our culture. And it's to not corrupt his word to fit our lifestyle so easy. To tremble at his word is to not twist the word to our own advantage. That's religiosity. That's a religious spirit taking the word and twisting it to our own advantage. But it's, no, what is God actually saying? To tremble at his word is to not avoid any aspect of God's truth. The whole, it's a Paul said, hey, I have not held back from you the whole counsel of God's will. So everything God has to say, I'm laying it out to you, and I'm applying it to my life. That's trembling in his word. And then I added this one, so if you you don't like it, get mad at me, not John Bevere. But it's trembling in his word is also to be able to receive guidance through others. I've found that so often we can be of the delusion that, oh, I'm, I'm, God's word is the sole authority in my life. And I've got my Bible, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm reading, and, and I'm, I'm good. But so often we're able, and we believe, and the Bible is the sole authority. The scripture is above. It's our authority. And we believe sola scriptura. And we believe God speaks to us through his word and convicts us and, and leads us. But we also have found that we are so easily self-deluded, and we, it's only when another person says, hey, I think this is, this is what God's word says, actually. Or, hey, have you considered this? I found that I don't know anyone that trembles at God's word who doesn't also, isn't also teachable with input coming through other people. It just always goes together. And if you think you're teachable with God, but you're not teachable from other people. If there aren't people in your life that can stop you in your tracks, when it doesn't even seem right to you, but you'll be like, wait, I know who you are. You have a proven track record. God's used you in my life. I'm going to consider this heavily, even though it doesn't make sense to me. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So there it is. Proverbs 15:33 says, "The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord leads us into the instruction of wisdom. We have to be instructed by it. And it's, humility is what sets us up for the honor. That God wants to bring us. A good question to ask if you are, you know, to, to lean into this a little more with someone who has a who God's put in your life in the place of, of mentoring you or a, a church leader is to ask them: Is there anything you see in my life that you think I need to know that you haven't told me because you don't think I'm going to listen very well? That's a good question to ask. That is a scary question to ask. Yeah. But it's a good question to ask. Is, are you like, and that, that's a gauge, because I'll tell you, we all, we all know that about people, right? Like, you, you can tell, someone's not going to receive it very well, so it's just like, I'm not even going to bother. We all, probably the whole world knows that's a weakness, but they're not going to receive it, so what's the point? But if we have the humility to Invite that into our life. Man, that is, that is living with the fear of the Lord. Okay. That's what it looks like. But it's a, it's a good thing. It is such a good thing. There are, there are rewards. There are promised rewards for the awe of God. Again, I'm taking these, uh, most of, two out of three of these from John Bevere. The first and the best reward for the awe of God is friendship with God. The ultimate. The thing, the one thing that you and I desire above everything else. Friendship with God. The one thing that fulfills us. The one thing that completes us. The one thing that's so rare. Friendship with God. (coughs) Psalm 25, 14. The friendship of the Lord is for who? For those who fear him. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. Wow. The person who walks in the fear of God walks into friendship with God. That word friendship is sometimes, it can be translated or literally it means the counsel of God or the secrets of God. It's like when you have your your closest friends. What do you do with your best friends? You tell them secrets. You tell them things you don't tell other people. You tell them things that you need to be kept confidential. God does that with the people who fear him. He shares his secrets. He shares his heart. He brings them into ultimate friendship with him. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. It's the ultimate. Jesus said this. No one can say this. If you weren't Jesus, you couldn't say this. All right? Don't try this with your friends. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. (laughs) All right? That doesn't work with any other relationship. But it's true. It's appropriate with God. If we do what he commands us, we come into friendship with him. You are my friends. We're not very good friends of God if we don't do what he commands us. But if we do, then we are. Really, this is the, the higher level. The fear of God is, you know, there's, there's one aspect of it. It is like a, a realization. Like there is justice with God. There are consequences for disobedience. There's destruction and ruin for our life here and beyond. But the essence of the fear of God is, it goes beyond those, those consequences. And it's really a fear of missing out, a fear of being separated from him, a fear of his disapproval, not only for the consequences, but for the relationship itself. And the fear of God brings us into the place of approval, a place of real relationship. Man, so good. Friendship with God. Second promised reward, reward of the awe of God is wisdom. And this is just, this is said over and over and over and over and over in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All of those who practice it have good understanding. Man, we need some wisdom. The fear of the Lord. so you think about it, like if you, the psalm also says that the fool says in his heart there is no God. There's nothing more foolish than denying God. And the beginning of wisdom is acknowledging God and building your life upon him. The beginning of wisdom. So when we build our life on him and align our life from him, and wisdom flows. Proverbs 14, 27 says, For the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. The the fear of the Lord is not only wisdom, but it's a fountain of life and wisdom. That I means it's just not just like one time, but it's a continual flow. As we walk in the fear of God, as we walk in relationship with God, there is this pipeline of flow of wisdom that comes to us, that we can live in. Man, that is a good thing, right there. The third promise reward of the awe of God I want to touch on is confidence. Confidence. Well, I was funny like Macy said, man, it's scary, but ironically, it actually produces confidence in us when we live with the fear of God. Proverbs Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Wow. I mean, think about that because ultimately all of our lack of confidence comes from an insecurity about where we're at with God. But when you know that your sin has been removed... You've turned from it, and Jesus has taken it away, and you are approved, and you are walking in sync with him, ready to follow him and be led by him. Man, that is a place of great confidence. It's like, man, it's not even about me. I'm just, I'm with God, and we're going to be all right. And there's, there's, I got nothing to fear. With him, there's confidence. It's not only for us, it's for our children, for those around us. It produces confidence everywhere we go. When we walk in the fear of God. So good. Friendship with God, wisdom and confidence. I just want to end with one more scripture. Isaiah 33, five and six. This is maybe my favorite one of all of these. Isaiah 33, five and six. "The Lord is exalted. He dwells on high. He will fill Zion with His justice. And righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times. He will be the sure foundation for your times. He will be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. This is what God has for us. This is what he has for our times. As he dwells on us, he brings his justice and righteousness into the world. How does it happen? The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of God is the key to this treasure. As we fear him, we come into salvation. We come into wisdom. We come into righteousness. We come into purpose. We come into knowing him and walking with him. The key to that is the fear of God. So, what about you? Where are we at today with this? That's really what it comes down to. Are you trembling at his presence? Are you, is he getting your attention? Are you trembling at his presence? Is, are you trembling at his word? What does that look like? Have you let his word take the first place in your life and realign your life according to his word? Are you obeying what, he's, what he asks you to do? Are you obeying the last thing he asks you to do? Is there anything he's asked you to do that's not obeyed? Is there there anyone who can help in that process? Is there anyone that can stop you in your tracks? Today, I encourage you, if you need to repent of something, man, there's there's no time like the present. There's no time like right now to to turn from the sins of, of commission of what we're doing and also the omission, the stuff that we're leaving out, leaving undone. Is there, you know, if you've never done that, if you've never turn from your sin and giving God the first place in your life and receive the forgiveness of the cross and become a Christian, become a disciple. There's no time like today. No better time. But God is inviting us. He is, He has this this key of, of the ultimate of everything we long for. Of His wisdom, of His approval, of confidence, of favor. And it's available to us as we as we honor him, as we reverence him, as we fear him. So let's bow together. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we worship you this morning. so the, The God who causes us to tremble. The one who it's all about. And Lord, would you would you lead us into this? Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that there would be a real takeaway and application of walking in the fear of God. That this would not be a forgotten fundamental. That this would be the beginning fundamental. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, I just thank you so much that you have Lord Jesus, you have come. You have died for our sin. You have died for the the stuff that stands between us and you, you invite us to to turn from it, to place it upon you on the cross and to to follow you. Lord, would you, I just am praying for me and for everyone in this room that this would be a greater reality, Lord, that from it would flow greater authority, greater hatred of sin, greater longing for obedience, greater ability to point others to you, Lord, and especially greater friendship with you. Lord, we thank you for this. We trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. I do want to encourage you, if you have any application today um, for this that that you know would be helpful to talk to someone else, and pray with someone else, then do that today. You can come up to the front right now, and someone will talk with you. Or if you know, you know someone else here that you trust and want to talk with, talk with them, pray with them. And man, God is leading us into this greater way of living this out, greater walking in this. I just believe this is a great week of God leading us forward and what he's got for us. So i would lo- love to, you have know, any questions or you want to talk more, I'll be here too. Um, but let's have a really good week. I'm looking forward to hearing some, um, some testimonies of what this looks like for people. So may we go in the presence and power of God and honor him and know him more than ever before. Let's have a week like we've never had before. Let's do it.